Hallelujah. God is good. We, um, on our Sunday services, have uh, been ministering on um, identity. And um, we have um, really beginning before the, the, the before 2019 was done, the Spirit of God kind of gave me, started giving me some insight about 2020. And um, one of those things was the fact that uh, uh, I want my people to begin to identify with their true identity. That was the statement. I want my people to begin to identify with their true identity. Amen. See, one of the, one of the um, um, let's, let's come at it from this angle. There's a lot of questions and a lot of circumstances and situations and things that go on in everyday life. And uh, one of those things that keeps, keeps the questions answered, or at least most of them, is knowing who your God is, knowing who your enemy is, and knowing who you are. If you have those three things, you've got an understanding of who your God is, who your enemy is, and who you are, the majority of life's questions can be answered, or at least you know what to do concerning whatever it is. Amen. A lot of people struggle. They get, they get God and the enemy mixed up. They start blaming God for what the enemy's doing. Hello, somebody. I mean, well, that don't work. Amen. The word's real clear. You know, you're supposed to submit to God, resist the enemy. And what happens? He flees. The problem is we get a lot of folks that get that mixed up. They start submitting to the enemy and they resist God. And so what happens is they don't get, they don't get, nothing, they don't get nothing changed, nothing different. The enemy comes in, keeps stealing, killing, and destroying is what he does. And so it takes a revelation of understanding who your God is. Amen. Not just saying, you know, I believe in Jesus. Now, that's wonderful. Um, you know, even the kids in the nursery uh, or in the Sunday school can answer that one, right? You know, 98% of the questions that the questions that get asked in the, in the elementary is, Jesus, right? They ask, you know, what about this, what about Jesus, you know, they all know that. So I'm not saying here as, as, as adults here that you got to know more than just Jesus, you got to know that He is a God that's for you, a God that's with you. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a provider. That you're, amen, and you as a child of God are redeemed. Hallelujah. You have been bought and paid for. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You are forgiven. Hallelujah. We can go on and on and on. Hallelujah. You're empowered. You're an overcomer. You're a conqueror. See, if you don't have these things alive on the inside, if you struggle with who He is, and you struggle uh, with who you are, amen, and you don't have a revelation of who your enemy is, I guarantee you everything gets messed up. So you got to settle it. Who your God is, who your enemy is, and who you are. So what we've been doing every week, coming at you with different things, dealing with the fact uh, who you are in Christ, amen. We've talked about everything from revelation uh, to, uh, you know, coming out of ignorance into a place of revelation and insight. How I many know ignorance is a, is a doorway for the devil? People say, well, ignorance is bliss. No, it ain't. It's a trap. If you don't know, then what happens? The enemy comes in and steals. Okay? But, amen, if you have a revelation... Amen. In other words, if you, the cover gets pulled back and things are revealed, amen, then now you got, amen, a doorway for God to move. Amen. Some of just having a revelation, just having some insight. Amen. 
Uh, we've talked about everything about, uh, you know, I even mentioned this at, uh, during offering time, uh, the importance of keeping your mouth right. Oh, that was so weak. Yeah, I'm sorry to bore you with all this. Amen. I mean, you got to get your mouth right. Amen. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, uh, Jesus said it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of his mouth that messes him up. Amen. The Word says that you're going to give account of your words one day. Come on, somebody. Come on. By your words, you're justified. By your own words, you're condemned. Your own words do that. Amen. So we, we talked about that on one week. We talked about, of course, about submitting to God, resisting the enemy. Took, took a week and did that. Last week, we talked, about, uh, we talked about eliminating fear in our lives. Amen. And uh, so uh, talked about a lot of different things. We talked about the fear of death. We talked about the fear of the unknown. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, even things we touched on, the fear of lack. Uh, the fear of man was one that we, I think we ended on last week. And uh, these are just areas where the enemy slides in and through fear dominates and dictates and keeps you uh, under his thumb. Still with me? So we got to eliminate fear. Amen. So I got done. You know, I thought maybe we, you know, we got, you know, got through that. And I just, you know, through the course of the week, uh, things being said and people, uh, you know, uh, asking if, uh, you know, they could learn a little bit more about fear and eliminating fear in our lives. And so... um, I, you know, prayed about it. Do I go back and, and do some more of this or not? And, you know, you know, you got to do what he wants, right? I'm first and foremost accountable to him. Um, but I did get a, a, a witness in my heart to go ahead and, and talk some more about fear today, uh, about eliminating fear. Um, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go back to our original text we used last week, uh, but then we're going to uh, uh, open that up and then and break into some, something uh, different today. Uh, but we're going to talk about eliminating fear. Amen. And so let's go to 1 John chapter 4 once again. Are you with me today? Yes. All right. 1 John chapter 4. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse, uh, I believe it's verse 15 is what I think I gave him back there. Hallelujah. I'm going to get my notes up here. Hallelujah. Now, I'm just going to ask a quick question. Did you come with an ear to hear today? Yes. Amen. I believe with all my heart that if, if you did, then you're going to leave with something. Amen. God's going to uh, empower you. Amen. And you will leave this place different today. So with that said, 1 John 4, verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. Everybody say in him. See, God abides in him. So, in other words, in him, in other words, the one who confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, right? And he, in other words, the one that has confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, he in God. So, God abides in him and he in God. So, any believers in the house today? Now, there's a lot more said there. Sometimes, you know, we speed read and we miss something here, okay? So what it is, it's all talking about identity. It just told you who you are. Okay? So, you know, the greater one's on the inside of you, which means now you're an overcomer because the overcomer himself dwells on the inside of you. 
So greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world because you're a child of God. Come on, right? And the overcomer's on the inside. So that automatically begins to tell you something. And you're in him, which means you're a part of a family. Come on now. Now, y'all came from some kind of family. Could be, could be good things, maybe not so good things. Um, you know, some of you came from, uh, you know, a great family. Some of you maybe didn't. Some of you maybe don't even know uh, uh, who your dad is or whatever. There's all kinds of different things and, uh, that, that, you know, you know makes up our lives. You know, it could be good, could be bad, uh, whatever. But it's all irrelevant Somebody said, what? It's all irrelevant when you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and have confessed Him as Lord. What happened then, you became a new creation in Christ. Literally means a new species of being. So now He's in you. Your your whole spirit man's been made new and you're in Him. Him, which means now you're of a whole different uh, family. You're of a whole different kingdom. Are you with me? Somebody says, uh, you know, well, does that mean I I have nothing to do with my family more? No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Don't walk out of here saying we're down on your family. We're just telling you that until you recognize the fact that you're really now a new creation, so you're a new species of being, what happens is you'll struggle with that. And you'll, you know, you'll, you'll struggle with sin. You'll struggle with condemnation and guilt. You'll struggle with who you are because you won't receive the fact that you're a new species of being now. You're in a whole different family. You're heavenly father, and you may have a great earthly father, but your heavenly father is the creator of the ends of the earth. Everything that's out there was, was created and spoken to existence from the very get-go when he said, light be, and light was. You know he didn't even need a sun to make light a manifest. The sun came later. He spoke light into existence because he can. Now, he is the one in whom you're in, and he's in. Still with me? Now, you know, my DNA is, you know, I don't know how all this stuff works, but my DNA has, has uh, you know, has my earthly father uh, in there. I don't know how all that chromosome thing kind of stuff all works, whatever. But uh, the bottom line is, is that they can take, uh, you know, they could take a sample of my blood and they can be able to determine, uh, you know, uh, my, my earthly father. Right. Right? right? Am I doing that right? You know, so how it all works, I don't know. All the little chromosome things, all that kind of stuff. They can figure all that stuff out. And they can even determine what, uh, you know, where you came from. Earthly. Amen. But now, amen, you're of a whole different family. Amen. And so there is, amen, see, we're in him and he's in me. Now, this word in, okay, uh, you got to kind of define it a little bit, but it means uh, it means a, you're positioned in, okay? So the word in here means denoting, denoting a fixed position. 
a relation of rest. In other words, you're resting in or you're positioned in, and it means in place, time, or state. In other words, whatever. So whatever the whatever it's talking about in context. Well, in context, it's talking about you're positioned in Him, and He's positioned in you. All right. Now, talking about identity. So let's go to the next verse here. Verse 16. And we, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. You got to know love and believe in the love, right? Right? Amen. Amen. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Well, well, okay. Where, where's, where's love? Who's love? What, what is, well, it says God is love. God is love. And he who abides, here we go, in love abides in God and God in him. So it's, what it's doing, see, it took, took verse 15 and it expanded a little bit in verse 16. It says, okay, now you're in God and God's in you. Now God is love, right? Agape, that word is, okay? It means an unconditional a giving, amen. Benevolence, a reaching out, a giving unto, amen. There's no, there's no, no conditions because God is love. There's no conditions. There's no strings attached. He's love. So he's love. So you're in love, and love is in you. Hallelujah. Say, well, is that supposed to make us feel ooey-gooey, rich and chewy? <laughs> well, when you understand what love is, you, you get past the ooey-gooey, rich and chewy. Come on, somebody. So you're in love and love's in you, right? Look at your name, neighbor, and just say, you're in love. And love's in you. All right, are you still with me? All right, so let's go to the next verse, all right? Verse 17. Verse 17 says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Okay, so now he's giving you some insight. Love, okay, love has been perfected. This word perfected, okay, it means complete or whole. It means something finished or accomplished. Uh, in, depending on how it's used in the sentence, it means fully formed, okay? So in, in other words, love has been perfected or complete per, uh, or what again, finished or whole, accomplished, fully formed among us in this, that we, why, why, why is love so important? Okay, we're in love, love's in me, but what, what, what's, oh, okay, is that so? Then we feel, you know, aw, God loves you, right? See, it's more to it than that. It's not just so, you know, uh, you know, stand up, Trudy. I know, huh? I love you. You feel loved? Mm -hmm. We love her the same. <laughs> you feel loved? Yes, I feel loved. Oh, I love to, love to hurt you. I know you do, honey. I love you so much. Uh, you feel better now? Feel good? I wonder if you feel better I now. I feel wonderful. <laughs> Somebody says, well, see, love is so God can hold us and go, don't you feel better now? I mean, oh, that's not really, really, you know, the purpose of love. See, love, see, God is love. See, love formed it all. 
Love spoke it all into existence. Because agape, that's what agape is. For God so loved, agape. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? Because he's love. That's what he does. He gave. It's never stopped. So now, see, you've received him as Lord, and now you reside in love, and love resides in you. And the more that's perfected or made full, something begins to happen. Still with me? All right. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have, well, boldness or confidence. All right. This word boldness, confidence, assurance. That means literally to, to be able to stand and speak out boldly. So in other words, the more that love, amen, we're going to see this also repeated here in a bit here. The more that love is completed, in other words, or fully, here we go, fully formed. In other words, the more you come into inside of this, the more you see the manifestation of it. And one of those things that happens is a thing called confidence or boldness. Still with me? Because that's what the enemy's coming after. He's coming after your confidence. Because, see, you could say, uh, you know, my God heals, but if you're not confident about that, he'll come after it. And even though you're, it doesn't change the word, you're the healed. But if you have no confidence toward that, guess what? You'll never walk in that. God provides, He's the provider. Sorry, Rick. He's your provider, right? He's your provider. But see, if you have no confidence toward that, then no matter what he is, that ain't going to manifest because you have no confidence toward that. It's available. Are you still with me? So it says in context, though, in this verse, Boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment. Well, we looked at this a little bit last week and kind of, you know, kicked over a couple sacred cows, which I think is okay because the word day here, hemera, is the, is the Greek word, and it means a, can anything from a single day to, to years. It means a moment or a period of time, Okay. So in a day of judgment is where we kind of got our, our key word, our title last week, you know, the identity crisis. The word here is crisis or crisis is where we get our word crisis. The word judgment here means its first definition is decision. And it literally says for or against. It's a day of decision. It's a day of Christ. He says that in a day of crisis. See, everybody's thinking that's talking about someday when you get to heaven. No, it ain't. It's talking about right now. Because you ain't going to need confidence when you get to heaven. Confidence for what? What are you going to need boldness for when you get to heaven? You you finally can go knock on your neighbor's door and say, you want to receive Jesus? I mean, is that really? So you ain't going to need boldness or confidence. When you get, when you get there, you're going to have plenty, believe me. Because it's like, whoa! I mean, it, hey! Right? You, you ain't going to have to sit back and wonder and, and question, did I make it to heaven? Am I really going to? It ain't going to have no need for it. 
Because when you're there, you're there. So it's talking about now, a moment of decision, crisis, whatever it is that you're up against or dealing with. Because what happens is when the pressure's on, we find out how much confidence you really do have. Yes, we do. It's in that moment. It's in that day. It's in that period of time, that, 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 that moment in time when the pressure's on that we find out whether we've got confidence or not in whatever it is you say you believe in. See, it's real easy to say, I believe God heals until all of a sudden my chest hurts. I got the wheezing and the coughing and the nose is running everywhere. And all of a sudden I, I got the, you know, I'm feeling kind of like I don't want to get out of bed or, you know, whatever, man. I mean, I mean, in that moment, then somebody comes up and says, he heals. You go, please don't bother me with that. I don't need to hear all that. Leave me alone. Well, wait a minute. Uh, last week you said he's your healer. So what are we going to, what are we declaring in the moment of pressure? Is he still your healer? If he's still your healer, in order for that to manifest, you got to have confidence. Confidence in the promise. Confidence in the truth. Confidence in your God. Confidence not only in who he is, but who you are as a child of God. Because sometimes you're facing a moment of decision in the area of your walk concerning whether you're going to be the overcomer or not, whether you're going to be the conqueror or not. It comes in that moment. That's why the word's real clear when he took, uh, James told us, he said, listen, if you're going to be up and down, in and out like some wave of the sea, you're doubting one minute, you're speaking faith one second, doubting it the next, don't think for one second that it's going to manifest for you. It will not happen. Right. Now somebody said, well, James, that didn't make me feel all goosebumpy." Listen, I'd rather somebody tell me the truth. Listen, if you're going to be up and down, then don't think it's going to manifest. That's why we need confidence in the day of judgment or decision. I need confidence. I need to be assured that what God promised, He's also able to do. I need to be anchored, praise God. He's my deliverer. He's my provider. I need to be anchored, hallelujah, that I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm bought with the precious blood of Jesus, praise God. I got to be anchored. Because the enemy's always coming after your confidence. You screw up, which you have, by the way. that hurts. I thought you loved me. All right, I do once in a while. I still screw up, but you know what? I'm confident in the fact that I am forgiven. I'm the righteousness of God, not because of how I feel or how it looks at the moment. I'm in right standing with God because I'm confident that what he did is a done deal. Now, that doesn't excuse sin, or make excuses or any of that kind of, that's not it. But you have to know something. Otherwise, you, you're, you're going to struggle with this stuff. you got to have confidence, all right? 
And then it goes on to say, as he is, because as he is, so are we in this world. And the word he is not even in the text. I don't even know why. I'm still to this day, I can't figure out why they put it in there. Even when you go to a, uh, your, your uh, lexicons, you go to even your interlinear translations, you look at that, and they'll even put in there, they won't even put he, they'll put one, like, like a, as an individual, one in parentheses, because they have to add it, because it's not in there. The point is, it's because that's not what it says. It says, because as that is, as this is or that is, so are we in this world. Well, what's the that or the this? It's talking about the beginning of the verse. So, in other words, if love's been perfected, complete, fully, uh, you know, brought together, coming into completion among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as that is, as this is, so are we in this world. In other words, to the degree that love has been perfected in us, will be to the degree that we walk in this. Still with me? To the degree that we believe this, that we are anchored to this, to the, to the degree that love has been fully performed, for, fully perfected, made whole in us, to the degree that we believe in this, will be to the degree that we walk in it. There's no other, no other guideline for it. That's it to the degree that you believe it and receive it. So now, it gets important now, doesn't it? We're in love, love's in us, and the more we believe that and accept that, the more we begin to walk in confidence and assurance that no matter what we deal with on day-to-day -day living, praise God, we have confidence that God is with us, praise God. We have confidence of who we are. We have confidence that we have authority over the enemy. Come on, somebody. Yeah. That we submit ourselves to him, and when we resist the enemy, he must flee, praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're right. I've got it all over me, too. All right. Somebody says, man, that guy spits all over the place. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. That stands on its own. The interior linear says it this way, fear not is in love. In other words, fear not is encoded, come on, encrypted in the DNA of love. There is absolutely no fear in love. None. None. See, it's part of its makeup. It's part of its DNA. It's part of your God. There is absolutely no fear in God. See, that's why to the degree that this has been perfected in us, to the degree that it, 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 it has been manifest or comes into a place of completeness in you and determines how much love's at, or pardon me, how much fear is actually can hang around. So to the degree that this is alive in you is to the degree that you walk in it. Come on. So there is no fear in love. Fear not is not in love, period. And when love shows up, fear has to go. Right, right, right. Has to go. 
It has to go. So if fear is still hanging around, all that tells us is that we have to back up a little bit in the verses here, and we find out that love then hasn't been totally yet perfected in us yet. That's all. That's not a condemning thing. It just shows you that you got to get back, get more of an insight and revelation, amen, that in God, I'm in God, God's in me. I'm in God, God's in me. I'm in God, God's in me. I'm in Mr. Love, and Mr. Love's in me. Hallelujah. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I have no business giving in to fear. Why? Because fear is not something you play patty cake with. Fear involves torment. Somebody says, oh, it's okay to have a little. Nowhere in the book does it say you manage fear. You don't manage fear. You have to eliminate fear because fear involves torment. Torment. So let's look up the word torment. You okay with all this? I guess it wouldn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. Colossus is, is the Greek word. It means penal infliction or punishment. Penal, which means uh, legal fine or imprisonment. Okay, so anytime, anytime fear is around, come on somebody, it involves penal infliction or punishment. In other words, you become imprisoned some way or another. Okay, last week we opened up a verse out of Hebrews 2. We talked about that the fear of death, for instance. It says, it says that at the fear of death, you, if you have the fear of death, you are all your lifetime subject to bondage. That's why you don't manage fear. You manage fear, all you're managing is bondage. Now, I don't know if you know this. We go in the prison, uh, you know, pretty often, and we minister in there. And, uh, you know, those guys can't come out with me. I go in, I come out, because I'm not under penal punishment. But they are. And when, you know, somebody in blue uh, walks in and says, all right, y'all out of this room, head back to your bunks. Guess what they got to do? They all get up. They may not like it. They may not appreciate it. They may not agree with it. Tough. You're under penal inflict or affliction or punishment. You're imprisoned. Somebody says, well, duh. Duh. Right? See, when you're, under, when you're under fear, see, whether it's the fear of death, the fear of the unknown, the fear of, of what's going to happen tomorrow, come on. You know, even the fear of death, or pardon me, the fear of darkness is not the fear of darkness, it's the fear of the unknown. You're not afraid of the dark. You're afraid of what could grab you when you're in the dark. <laughs> what's going to crawl out from under the bed in the dark? What might walk out of your closet? When you're in the dark, what could grab your foot? <laughs> See, it's the fear of the unknown. 
The fear of lack, hello, is still a fear. So what happens is you come under, come on, penal punishment. See, the enemy's got you convinced. That's literally what it refers to. He's got you convinced that this is for you, that it's yours. You have to accept this. Now, subject to bondage, that word bondage, okay, means liable to slavery. Under slavery. So, neither one of those words are anything I want anything to do with. The word subject to bondage, okay, liable to slavery, to be a slave unto, and literally means to be in service to or to give the lead to. So in other words, when fear is on, when fear is there, you have not only come under penal punishment, but now you're under slavery and whatever it leads is what you do. That's why we don't want fear. Because it leads. It makes your decision-making off. You start, you get hasty about stuff you shouldn't be hasty about. You get hesitant about things you shouldn't be hesitant about. See, he steals your confidence. Because you don't know who he is, you don't know who your God is, and you don't know who you are. But when you understand you're in love and love's in you, you got absolutely nothing to be fearful about. Nothing to be fearful about. <laughs> there is no fear in love. Fear not is in love. In other words, there, it's part of its DNA. But perfect love, in other words, love that has been fully formed, amen, casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears, here we go, has not been made Fully formed, complete, in love. And he repeats it. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Somebody says, well, it's nice that God loves. No, no. God is in love with you. Now, listen, Pastor, if you knew what I've done in the last 24 hours, isn't it amazing how love is so unconditional? God is so in love with you, even if you are a stinker. And some of you are. I'm telling you. I know some of your stuff. It's a good thing I'm not God. Somebody said, should say amen to that. Amen. See, because Mr. Love is God. And you're in Mr. Love. And Mr. Love is in you. And it's not so he, you can feel all warm and fuzzy. It's because it overrides then that lack of confidence, that fear. Because when love is on the scene, fear has to go. Most people are caught up in whatever they're caught up in because of fear, because the enemy has got you convinced that's who you are. All right, with that said, we're going to go to a verse. Uh, we, we read uh, this text. 
last week, but we're going to at least look at a verse, okay? So we're going to go to 2 Timothy, back up to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, please. Are you, are, you, are you hearing this today? All right, now, here we go. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7. Okay, now, of course, this is a letter of, uh, from Paul to Timothy because of everything Timothy was going through. Timothy was struggling, warring with some things because of all the struggle that's going on. Literally, some of his leaders at this time in history are losing their life because of their stand for Christ. So now he's losing, you know, some of his church leadership due to being, you know, murdered for what they stand for. So there's all kind of upheaval, upheaval now in the church. And he's the pastor of the church thinking, what do I do? And, you know, do we, do we close the doors? Do we keep it going? Do, uh, do I stand my ground? Do I shut up and act like nothing's wrong? Do I, I mean, all these kind of thoughts raised to his head. And so uh, Paul says, dude, you're forgetting who you are. God has not given us a, here we go, spirit of fear. Let's define fear again. We didn't do that. We should have done that. We should do that, fear, because just in case you're, you know, you're, you're unsure of what fear means. Look at your name and say, uh, yeah. Fear, phobos is the Greek word. Anxiety, worry, dread, panic, apprehension, insecurity. It all fits into Phobos. So when he's talking about fear, he's talking about your insecurity. He's talking about your apprehension, your panic. Talking about dread, worry, anxiety. That's why he said, do not worry. Why? Because worry is not what you've been designed to do. You're not made to worry because worry is fear. Well, if I don't worry, who will? Who cares? As long as you don't. Well, if I don't worry about my kids, who will? Listen, your worry about your kids has done nothing but open the door for the devil to steal, kill, and destroy. Because with fear, there is no confidence. So you go back in your prayer room and you go pray for your kids and you walk out and worry about your kids has just negated your prayer. Oh, we could have fun with that one. How about finance? How about your health? Are you hearing me? See, you are never designed to worry about anything. You use your faith and confidence to a God that provides. Are you with me or are you all shutting me down now? Well, anytime you talk about your money or your kids, everybody gets all weird. And I'm thinking, if you're getting weird about me talking about your money or your kids, then you got a problem. You need to deal with it. All right? So it's time to deal with it. Get fear out so you can get confidence up where it belongs because you're in love and love's in you and your God is not only in love with you, He's in love with your kids. Even though a few of them are really ornery. 
But God's still in love with them. God's in love with your spouse. Somebody says, are you sure? Yes. God is, in, God is so in love with you. He's, amen, about your, your finance, your health. God is never looking for you to be without. We end up being without because we are too busy panicking about everything. We worry about everything. Every time fear comes, you need to say, wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. I'm in you and you're in me right then. Amen. What you're doing is you're resisting that. Amen. And it's got to go because Mr. Love's here. All right. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay. Spirit. Do you know that word spirit? Do you, he, literally, he's calling fear a spirit. Are we getting this? Now, it didn't come from him because he doesn't have it to give. But it did come from somewhere. Now, this word spirit is the same word used when you talk about the spirit of God. You think, oh, no, yes. Because it means breath. A wind, a current, a breath. So what do you want breathing on you? Now, sometimes you get around some folks, you know, even sometimes when I'm praying for folks, I always got to pop a mint because I don't want to breathe something on them they don't want to breathe in. Right? Because as soon as they go, whoa, dude, they've completely shut you off. They, they have no idea what you said after that. All they can think about is, my God, that guy's got bad breath. Because it's important what's breathing on you. That's why I carry mints all the time. <laughs> so what do you want breathing on you, Rick? What do you want breathing on you? Because there's, 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 there's two currents of air. There's, there's the breath of life. Come on, the way God designed it, right? Come on, the way God designed it. Are you with me or not? The way He designed it every day, amen, we're designed to take in the breath of God. From the very get-go, a lifeless body laid there. He breathed life. It said, breathe the breath. It literally says, the breath, the wind, the current, the breath of God was breathing. And He became then a living being, which literally means a speaking spirit. Comes alive. Now, he designed it that every day you need my breath. Go read it. Genesis 3, everywhere he went, amen, the, the God would come in, would breathe into them. They'd walk in the cool of the day. It literally means in the breath of the day, in the wind and the current of the day. Every day God would show up, come on, and breathe into them. But then another breath somehow weaseled its way into the garden. And it breathed something else. And instead of, of uh, Adam cutting its head off or stepping on its head and said, excuse me, how did you get in here? What are you doing? saying these things. 
Instead, they let the wind, the breath of the serpent, breathe into them. And all of a sudden, it shifted everything. And within another verse, come on, they step out and did something within one verse. They are now in fear. Now they're, they get to look, oh my gosh, I'm naked. Uh, I think you were before. Well, it was the glory, whatever. Whatever. You were just as naked two verses ago as you are now. But something, you started going, ooh, I better, I better cover. I make little fig leaves and stitch them together and put them on. That's man's attempt to cover up. Anyway, it's a whole other sermon. But anyway, the point is, fig leaves ain't going to cut it, dude. All right? So they stitch fig leaves, they cover up, and then they hide because here comes God like every day. Somebody says, well, maybe God didn't know. God knew. Come on. But here he comes. He says, Adam, where are you? It's not because he didn't know where he was. He wants Adam to figure out, Adam, where are you? Well, now I'm hiding. I'm in fear because I allowed another breath to breathe into me, and I gave heed to it. Didn't deal with it. Are you still with me? It has never changed. Do you know that it, it, literally the enemy will always come after your confidence in who you are? He always will. That's what he addressed Eve at that moment. He says, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you, you know, God's just concerned that you're going to be like him. Well, she, the word already says she was. Yeah. But she didn't know that. So she yielded to it. When Jesus, the, the, uh, the, when he come up after he was water baptized and the, the, the heavens basically uh, spoke out, I mean, God spoke out and says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. So he goes out. He just, he kind of flushes out the enemy. Forty days out in the wilderness. What's the first thing he comes after? You know who you are. If you are the son of God. It's like, dude, it ain't no if. <laughs> what do you mean this if stuff? Well, if you are the son of God, you know, command these stones to be bread. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, dude, I know who I am. And he, it's exactly what he does to you and me, the enemy, all the time. He comes at you. If you don't know who you are, you don't have confidence in who you are, he's got an in-row. That's why it pays. That's why you come to church and learn. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you pray and develop an intimacy with your heavenly Father. That was weak. All this is important. Why are we doing this? Because the more time you spend, amen, not only learning about love, but walking in the midst of love, the more you are fully, amen, in, you're fully, you know, uh, uh, filled up, complete, made whole in love. And the more that happens, 
The more, praise God, you know who you are. You don't lack confidence. So when the enemy tries to hit you on some day of pressure, whatever it may be, you know who you are. You stand your ground, praise God, and you overcome. Still with me? But now God does have something for you. He obviously didn't bring the spirit of fear, but he does have some things for you. Power, love, and a sound mind. Power, dunamis, okay, I believe is how it's actually pronounced. Dunamis, as some people say it, but dunamis, I believe is how it looks in, the, uh, in your lexicons or whatever. But it means miracle-working power. So in your day of decision, here comes your pressure. <clears throat> All this is going on around you. Because you know who you are and you know who he is because you're in him and he's in you, you know that one of the tools you have in your tool belt is a thing called dunamis, miracle-working power. Are you with me? So what do you got now? You got an enemy that's raging up against you. One of the reasons you can be confident is because I got the tool I need to overcome whatever it is he's trying to put against me. I don't have to fear anything. Still with me? Let's, let's put a few verses up there. I think I'm, uh, what do we got here? Um, uh, there you go, 1019. Behold, I give you authority. Now, that word's exousia, so it's authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all what the power of. In other words, whatever the enemy thinks he's got, you got more. Over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by means hurt you. Now, Matthew's account, he uses the word power. I give you the power. I give you the power. All right, give me another verse. What do we got here, Kathy? Ephesians 1.19, okay, in context, talking about uh, knowing something, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know some things, right? And one of those things he wants you to know is what is the exceeding greatness of his dunamis, dunamis, however you want to word it, dunamis, right? That's toward us, towards you who believe. Any believers in the house? So there's power that's towards you. He wants you to know the power that's towards you, and he says this, according to, to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead. In other words, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's in you right now. So you have nothing to fear out here. Because if anything, you least got power to overcome whatever it is. Now, fear, worry, anxiety, you'll shut her down in a heartbeat. You let that mess in. So the next one, love. You just kind of uh, go back to, well, wait a minute. Let's, no, I'll give you Ephesians 3. Put that one out. That'd be a good time. Let's just throw that in there cause, just because it's a cool verse. Now to him who's able to what? Do it. According to the power that's at work in us. In other words, to the degree you're going to let it work. God, there's no limits on God unless you limit him. Okay, that's a whole other sermon. But I'm telling you, that's why we have no reason to fear. 
Somebody says, I wonder why we just don't see the miracles like we used to. I'll tell you why right here. Because we'd rather worry. We'd rather stress. We'd rather be fearful. We'd rather listen to CNN. Well, you know, that virus, woo! Woo! Really? There are more people dying from cows in America than this silly virus. Serious. Cows that stepped on them. Some, some, oh. Cows. But, oh, go, don't, don't, let, don't touch anybody. Don't breathe in their germs. Well, it's kind of hard to witness when you can't breathe in somebody else's germs. So he says, now that's disgusting. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to be fearful of all that, just think about how it shuts everything down. Well, you know, if I go to church, I'm going to be around a lot of people that have things. So the best thing to do is just not go. Yeah, be a hermit. Lock yourself in your house. And when they come and deliver the beans, remember, they touched them. <laughs> no getting away from it. So you might as well just know who you are. Tell that little bug to get on out. Come on. Whew, mercy. All right. Love. Hallelujah. Love. Okay. Um, hallelujah. Well, we talked on love a lot. Amen. So what's the last one? one more, let's do one more. What is it? Sound mind. Sound mind. Uh, this word has over a dozen letters in it. In the Greek word. So, phonesimuth. So, so, phonesismus. Okay, well, sound mind, of course, is a good, healthy, whole mind, but it means the word, when you look it up, means discipline. It talks about a control, self control. All right. Well, the word says in Philippians 2 5 that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2 says that we have the mind of Christ. All right, all this is wonderful, but it, just, it tells you what you have to do because remember, like we talked about it at, at, at offering time, is you do have to renovate that mind because that thing can, can just hang you up sometimes. Because I could be here telling you all the truth, and if your mind ain't renewed to it, you'll walk right back out there and panic and be fearful and then just... And all you've done is open the door. So a sound mind's got to be pretty important, but it's available for you, praise God. Amen. A sound mind. So what do you do with it? Well, Colossians 3, I'm just going to put verse 2 up there, uh, Kathy. It just says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Romans 8, I'll probably do like verse 6, okay? 
It says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. All right? So in other words, you got to decide because as your mind goes, so goes your life, period. Okay, but he's given you a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I don't have a mind that's all over the place. i got a sound mind. He's not only given me power to deal with all this out here, not only given me love to stay anchored in who he is and who I am, but he's given me a sound mind, so I'm not going to be all over the map. I'm anchored in who I am. I'm, I set my mind on things above. When my mind wants to uh, freak out because of this or because of that, no, wait, I set my mind on things above. Amen. God has got my back. God's my provider. God's my deliverer. Praise God. Hallelujah. I overcome because of him. Amen. I'm in him. He's in me. Praise God. Now, the reason for a sound mind is because you have a right to think on whatever you want to think on. He gave you that right. He did, didn't he? He changed your spirit. That got changed. But now it's up to you. What are you going to think on? What are you choosing to meditate on? That's up to you. So he says, listen, I've, I'm giving you a sound mind. You go my way, and I guarantee you, your mind's not going to be all over the map. You'll be anchored. A sound mind. Put uh, Isaiah 26 and verse 3 up there, if you would. I mean, from the very get-go, this is how God designed it. If you will keep him, he said he will keep you, right, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. All right? So in other words, you keep your mind stayed on him, this thing works. Because why would you do that? Well, because you trust him. Do you trust him or not? Come on now. Now listen, here comes the day of pressure. Here it comes. Here it comes. It's here. All right, do you still trust him? Well, ah, you're in him, he's in you. All he's asking, just set your mind right here. Put it right up here. Well, this is the, uh, up here. I've given you a sound mind. You got the tools, but you have to choose to use it. So, I mean, if I, if I don't have something to, you know, get upset about, what else am I going to think about? Well, we may have to train your mind different. We may have to discipline, you know, you a little bit on what you start thinking about now. But I'll, I'll just give you a good clue. If you just, you know, keep coming to church, you know, I'm going to throw that in there, right? Keep coming to church and hearing Amen. You open that Bible on a day-to-day -day basis and meditate on it. Come on. Spend some time in prayer with God. Just communicate with God. Somebody says, well, I've never done that. Uh, well, you don't have any problem talking to me. If you can talk to me, you can talk to him. And he's a, he'll be a far better friend than I ever will be. And I'm a pretty nice guy. Most of the time. But he's always, because he's Mr. Love. So if you can talk to me, you can talk to him. So, I mean, you, you're coming to church, you're hearing the word, amen, and, and you're, you're reading your Bible, you're spending time with him. What are you doing? Well, the whole time you're doing all that, what are you doing? You're setting your mind, you're disciplining your mind, amen, to set on him. Amen. 
And all of it, you, and, and, and what happens then is you get the promise of all of that. When you start setting your mind on him, it puts you on a road toward life and peace. That whatever it is that's going on, that's why a sound mind is so important. Because you can get off on all this, and all it does is open, you're going down now what's called death road, okay, which means ruin, come on, destruction. So you can go down that road, or you can set your mind on things above, and it says you're going down a different road now just by a choice called life and peace. So now, when fear tries to grip you, you've got a sound mind. You say, nope, I, I, I ain't thinking about that. I'm going to think about this. My God delivers. My God provides. My God heals. Is anybody getting something out of this today? This is how this thing works. And remember, you determine what you're going to let breathe into you. What are you going to let breathe in you? Somebody said, well, I, I like to hear all this stuff. Well, just remember, what you let breathe in you might determine some things. So I'd rather hook up and say, you know what? He's given me power, love, and a sound mind. Praise God. I'm in him. He's in me. Amen. Fear has got to go. That means torment has to go. That means bondage has to go because it has no place in love, has no place in him. And the more we do that and walk in that, the more victory you see, the more successes you see, I'm telling you, just by keeping your mind in the, in, the, in the right spot, you'd be amazed at what kind of uh, messes and mishaps you avoid. That's the truth. Just because you set your mind, just because you're hooking up his way of thinking, and all of a sudden, praise God, it sets you up for a road called life and peace. Amen. You get off that other road, praise ye the Lord. Amen. Did you get something today? All right, praise the Lord. All right, well. Took another week, you know, and talk about this and deal with this. So praise the Lord. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Hallelujah. Father, we just give praise and glory once again. Thank you for your word and these principles. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. That we walk free from fear. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we're in you and you're in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, you've given us power and love and a sound mind. Praise God. So we give you the praise and the glory for it. Hallelujah. If you're in here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this would be the time to do it. Praise the Lord. Accepting Him. Praise God. Become that new creation in Christ that we talked about earlier. Praise the Lord. He also called it this, being born again. Amen. Praise God. John 3 brings that out. Amen. So when you receive Jesus as Lord, the Word says you become born again. Just by accepting Him as Lord and confessing Him, praise God out your mouth as your Lord. Amen. By Just by doing that, it, it changes. That whole inner man becomes a new creation, praise God. So if you're here today you've never done that, you'd like to do that. Well, I'd be honored to pray with you. Amen. So if you're here today you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need that, praise God. I'd like you to throw a hand up where I can see it. See if there's anybody in here that's never done that that would like to do that today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So I'm believing everybody in here knows the Lord. Is that true? All right. Do we still have cameras running? We do. Which one? Right here, all right, so I'm looking right here, amen, so those that are watching, those that are listening, we give you the same opportunity, 
If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it's a good day to receive Him, praise God. And if you're out there today and you say, yes, I want to do that, then just say this, say, Lord Jesus, I receive you now. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Make me that new creation. I confess you as Lord, and I confess you, amen, as my all in all, hallelujah. Do something glorious in my life, and for that, I give you thanks in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Now, those watching and those listening, amen, we encourage you. Be a part, uh, come, come hook up with us. Be a, be a partner with us, amen. Jump on board, praise God. Hook up with us, praise the Lord. We're grateful to be able to come into your homes, amen, to come into your vehicle, wherever you're at listening or watching, praise God. We're honored to be able to do that. All we're asking is come be a partner with us, praise God. Jump on board, praise God, and let's go around the world together, praise the Lord. Can I hear a big amen? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.